Welcome to the C2O Podcast. My name is Matt, and today we have Alex Carney in our fifth week of their series called Miracles. And this week, Alex will be speaking on when Jesus asked the disciples to cast their nets on the other side the second time, and what we can learn from that story. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. C12, how are we doing tonight? Come on, super excited to be here. Uh, hey, if it's your first time here with us, uh, we just want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Maybe uh, tonight is your first night in a while. You've missed a series that we're in. Uh, and we are on a, a series of the miracles of Jesus where we're seeing God uh, make impossible situations possible. And, and tonight is our last night in the series, and we're jumping into John 21. This is the story of, of Jesus doing the miraculous catch. And I'm just going to jump right in. Tonight, we're just going to jump right in. We're going to have some fun. We're going to share uh, some stories. You're going to hear uh, probably some uh, funny stories of mine. You're going to hear ones that are personal, ones that are real to me. You're going to hear uh, the truth of God's story, and then you're also going to examine your own story, and you're going to see where this fits into it, and, and, and tonight might get real. It might get personal for you, and, and we're going to have a chance at the end. We're going to have a, a response moment, and I'll tee that up. I'll explain that, but we're going to jump uh, right in uh, to this story, but before I do, uh, I kind of have to tee up the life of Peter. See, to go over uh, John 21, you've you got to know, okay, wh- what is the life of Peter that led him up to this moment? See, in, in, in Luke 5, this is where Peter gets called by Jesus. So he, Jesus was on the, on the shore side, and, and he's, preaching. He, he's preaching the word of God to people, and then he goes out on Peter's boat. See, Peter was out on the lake. He was trying to catch some fish, and so he casted his net and didn't catch anything. He's out there all night, and he comes back in, and, and, and Jesus says, hey, can I go out in your boat? And so he goes out in the boat, and he asked Peter, and he said, hey, go take your net. Go, go cast it down into the deep water again. And he says, well, like, dude, like, I, that's what I've been doing, like, all night. Like, I didn't, haven't caught anything. And then finally, Peter, he, he goes, and he takes the net, he puts it in, and all of a sudden, they had so much fish. See, in Luke 5, it says that the, that the nets began to break. And all of a sudden, the boat was so overwhelmed with fish that it almost started to sink. And so now Peter's getting all of his friends. Now he's like, hey, you got to help me try to get all this in. And see, Peter's, Peter's response after that was, oh, oh, my gosh, like Jesus is here. This, this is crazy. This, this, is a, this, is a powerful, this is a powerful, powerful miracle. And on top of that, Jesus told Peter, and he said, come, follow me. It was so powerful for Peter that he just literally left everything that he did. He took everything, hey, this is my lifestyle, this is my job, this is what I'm doing, this is kind of who I am. He left instantly in that moment because his interaction with Jesus was so powerful. It was so powerful what, he, what, what Jesus or what Peter was able to encounter. See, this is big. This was huge for Peter. There's probably moments like, like yours where, hey, maybe there's a moment where you gave your life to Jesus. It's a moment where you got baptized or there's a moment where, hey, you just kind of feel like the, maybe the spiritual momentum. Have you ever had that? Like, man, I just got some like spiritual wind in my sails here. I feel like, man, I, I just, when I'm with God, I can sense it. I can feel it. I can feel like, man, when I pray, it's like an instant answer. Like I see those little three little dots come up like right away. I feel like, God is, I feel like God's real right now. See, for Peter, just like he was on top of the world, there's some wind in Peter's sails. See, he was with Jesus, and over the next three years, he got to see Jesus heal people. He got to see him, uh, Jesus cast out demons. He got to see uh, uh, Jesus feed the mass multitudes of people. He got to see him turn water into wine. He got to see Jesus rebuke the winds and the waves to calm down. Even Peter himself got to walk on water. I mean, (laughs) this is three years of, of Peter being so tight with Jesus, so close, so intimate, like, I'm walking so tight with Jesus. He's like my BFF. I'm, I'm almost practically with Jesus every single day. And after three years of being so close with Jesus, he does the thing he never said he would do. 
I mean, he denies Jesus. And he didn't deny him just once. He didn't deny him twice. He denied him three times. Now look what it says in Luke 22. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and into death. Basically like, hey, wherever you go, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. doesn't matter if it's in prison. doesn't matter if you die. I'm going to follow you there. But Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. And then seizing him, they led him away, took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. If you got your Bibles open, if maybe it's on your phone, I want you to highlight that. We're going to come back to that. Peter followed at a distance. And when some, some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, he sat down together. Peter sat down with him. A servant girl saw him and seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, well, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. He said, man, I am not, Peter replied. And about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Just imagine that for a second. I mean, the, the, maybe despair inside Peter of, oh my gosh, I instantly remember what Jesus just said. I mean, Jesus being beaten, being bruised, and I just denied him. The, 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 the one who I called the Lord of my life, the one who I said I would follow you no matter what, even the prisoner unto death, no matter where, where, where I go, wherever you are, Jesus, I'm going to follow. Does it matter? And the Lord looked straight at Peter, and Peter remembered the word that spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. I mean, Peter blew it. He did the thing he never said he would do. And I'm sure at some point there's moments where you feel like, oh, dude, I just, I blew it. Like, I failed hardcore. You ever a moment in your life where you're like, dude, that, like, mm, yeah, I look back at that moment, like, I, I failed hardcore. There's one that's, you know, some might be funny, some might be serious. This, this is just a funny one of mine. I, uh, this is a church that I came from uh, in, in South Dakota. And uh, I remember I was uh, preaching at a different location. Some of you guys probably heard this story before. And I remember uh, uh, doing a game up front. And, and I'm not going to lie, this was a total fail. <laughs> I mean, the whole night was just a fail in and of itself. And, and I was playing two truths and a lie up front. Well, the, the, the audio in the room was so bad that uh, when, I, when the student came up and we played this game trying to interact with other students, that when they lied, just coincidentally, it happened every single time, that every time the student lied, there'd be feedback in the back. So go, and I was like, oh, that's just, you know, I'm going to play off that. Like maybe the next person who comes up and they, that's the statement they say and that's the lie they say, well, I'm just going to assume that they're lying. And it kept happening for every student. Every time that sound went off, I just guessed. I said, that's a lie. And you're like, you're right. And so then I played off it even more. And I was like, oh, man, not today, Satan. And there was a woman, a girl in the back, who she literally took, like, I'm, I'm telling you, she, she, she put her hands over her ears, and she just started screaming at the top of her lungs. Like, she, and I'm, when, when I say screaming, it wasn't like a, oh, I'm startled. It was like a, ah, like, she was, like, screaming. And then two thoughts went on my mind. I was like, gosh, I suck at this. <laughs> I suck at preaching. And then the other thought, and if you, you know, our student ministry resident in the room, you know when students aren't paying attention, you're like, dude, pay attention. It's not that hard. Like, stop it's not about you. Listen, I'm trying to help you. Listen, pay attention. Stop yelling. Stop screaming. And she's sitting there just screaming. And there's a youth leader that's like trying to calm her down. And I'm just like, whatever. Like, what are you doing? I get off stage at the end. And uh, the pastor comes up to me and he goes, great job, bro. 
And I was like, yeah, no, I thought it went great. And he goes, you scared a blind girl. And I was like, oh, like, you know, I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, you know, the girl that was screaming, she, when you said not today, Satan, she literally thought Satan was in the room that she started freaking out and she started screaming. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go light myself on fire and uh, never come back to this ministry ever again. I mean, it just totally blew it. Like, I was so excited. You walk up the stage, you're like, man, freaking nailed it. And he goes, great job. He scared a blind girl. Hope you never come back. Oh, totally blew it. And then you have moments where you're like, I blew it. And then you learn from that moment. And you're like, I'm I'm never going to blow it again. I'm never going to fail again. Well, I get to the residency. Strong start, Alex. (laughs) Here we go. If you're a resident in the room, you probably can't do worse than this. One of my first one-on-ones. Uh, came to the residency, huge fail. We sat down for an hour. And uh, coach at the time printed out a whole Word document of everything I did wrong since being here. And I mean, this is the original copy. So don't look like it's just something I typed up. This is something I literally, I've had ever since. And I just wanted to read a little part of it. I wanted you to see how bad I, I failed. <laughs> September meeting with Alex, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> don't you love when it starts like that? You're like, ooh, waiting for it. One area I want you to lean into is ownership. Your lack of ownership has been displayed by doing half job, doing just good enough, not excellent, and not above and beyond. You upward delegate because you want somebody else to solve the problem. I feel really encouraged. We move on to the next thing. This is just one. There's three different events we went in detail with. We had an event on Sunday in uh, he said, hey, it's this Sunday, and I have zero confidence that you know what's going on or that it's going to be excellent. What happens represents our ministry, and I'm kind of thinking that I don't trust you to represent our ministry. All right, feel even more encouraged. <laughs> Go on to the third thing. I was like, oh, you know, you wonder, like, is this, is this going to end? Like, is this it? Like, am I, am I just going to, you know, we, well, there's a conclusion. We always love the conclusion. We go through all of it in the next 30 minutes, an hour, we just sit in this. And he said, 20 minutes of our meeting yesterday was spent cleaning up stuff that you should have owned, partly because it was crap work and partly because you didn't solve any of the problems on your own. You upward delegated. I need you to do better, more complete work, act like you care. I love the residency program. <laughs> I mean, we sat in that room and then we walk out and he goes, hey man, so what do you think about those two dating? And I'm like, oh, were you not in that room? Like, I, how do you move from one to the other? See, I, I felt like I blew it. I mean, I felt like I failed. I felt like, you know, and you always go from one t- thing to the next and you, you have one moment of failure and you're like, ah, oh, I learned from that. I'm never gonna do that again. And then you step into another moment and you fail there and then you're like, well, it's, could this get any worse? That you move on to the next thing. There's always another moment where you feel like you're just totally gonna blow it. And I don't know what that is for you, but maybe there's moments in your life you're like, man, I blew it. I feel like I messed up. Maybe it's something in your dating life. Maybe it's someone in your, uh, something in your relationships or your family. Maybe it's in your relationship with God. You told God, oh, I'll never do that again. I'll never, I'll never make that same mistake again. I'll never sin again. I'll never, I'll, I, this is my promise. This is my vow to you. I'll never do that again. And then you might wonder, and you're like, man, how did I get here? Like, how, how did I get to this spot? How did I get to this spot where, like, I'm now making these decisions? And you look at the life of Peter, and you're like, how, how, did, he, how did he get there? He's literally walking with Jesus. Like, you, you saw him do the miracle. I mean, you, you, Peter, even walked on water yourself. You're right there in, like, the physical flood. You can see Jesus feeding thousands of people. You can see him turning water into wine. How did you get there? And you look at your own life, like, man, how did I get this complacent? 
I used to have such a passion for God. I used to have such a, a fire for God. How, how did I drift so far away? I used to have such a high dream, such a high vision for what God can do. And now you just feel like you're not taking risks anymore. Now you feel like you're playing it safe. Maybe just you're so closed off and you used to be friends with everyone. And now you don't have the same community like you used to. How did I become so timid and shy in my faith? Why, how did I get here? Why am I at this spot? And I think there's a couple mistakes that Peter makes that we make. There's two mistakes that allowed him to get here. The first one, he didn't recognize his own Achilles heel. He didn't, what's the thing that would take you out? What's your weakness? In Luke 22, when he says, but he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Like, hey, I'm in. <laughs> but in that statement, Peter forgot his humanity. Hey, you're human. You're going to mess up. See, even though he's physically with Jesus, even though he's present there all the time. See, even all throughout those years of being with Jesus, Peter still doubted. He still lacked faith. I mean, he's harassing little kids. He's cutting people's ears off. I mean, you can be as close to Jesus as you want to be, and yet you forget that you still need Jesus at the end of the day. You can be with him so closely that you kind of ride off, well, what was that last, what was that last little spiritual high that I had? I think it'd be a dangerous thing if you ride off of last month's time with God or you ride off of last year's holiness. You ride off of last week's breakthrough. Maybe you're still talking about what God did that you're not leaning into what God can do today, right now. And just a side note, the farther you have to go back into your own story to see the power and the faithfulness of God, it shows a little bit of how, how, well, uh, how, how well you're digging your own personal well and your own prayer life. That maybe if, if I have to go farther back, maybe it's a good gauge that my desire isn't as deep as I thought it was. And we all have the capability to fall short in sin. We let God down. We let others down. We don't fulfill maybe the promises and the vows that we make to God. We, we let uh, other people down that were close to us. We do the things that we, that we never said that we would do. And there are moments when you feel like, man, I'm with God. I'm invincible. Like, I, I, I can do this. When you feel like, God, you got some, like I said, that spiritual wind in your sails, you feel like, oh, I can conquer the world. And the moment you feel like you're the strongest is perhaps the moment that, that you're probably the most vulnerable. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. So if you think you're standing firm, <laughs> aka, if you think you're strong, <laughs> be careful that you don't fall. And Peter failed to see his own weakness. Peter failed to see, hey, I'm human. I still need Jesus just as much today. Doesn't matter if I'm with him in person. Doesn't matter if I just saw him do that miracle. Doesn't matter how much I talk about it. I still need Jesus just as much today as I needed him yesterday as I need him tomorrow. Peter failed to see his own weakness. See, what would be your weakness that would lead to failure? Maybe that's a question worth writing down. If you're taking notes, you can go ahead. What, what's your weakness that would lead to failure? What's the thing that would take you out? What's the thing that, it, that this would undo you? What's the thing that if this kept happening repeatedly, you would just start to drift away from God and who he is? And if you don't know it, that's okay. You can take time to sit in that. But if you don't know it, I'm, I'm pretty confident Satan does and he would take you out. Second thing, he followed Jesus at a distance. Look what it says in Luke 22. I'm going to come back to that. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. 
Peter followed at a distance. And when someone there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, he had sat down together. Peter sat down with them. And it goes on, the servant girl, this is where he starts to deny Jesus. See, the reality is, is that you can be as close to God as you want to be. You're not given a limited access. Sometimes we like to just kind of follow Jesus at a distance. Well, I'll just kind of, you know, I, I don't really, I just kind of want to be around God. I'll kind of dabble in prayer, kind of dabble in, in, in going to church and being a part of community. See, the reality is you can have as much as God as you want. And this is the difference. In the Old Testament, that wasn't always true. When you had the access to God, see, in the Old Testament, New Testament are two, two, different, two different stories. See, in the Old Testament, this is a, a story where the Israelites were going to Mount Sinai. And the, this, in the Old Testament, it wasn't true that everybody had the same access to God. There's only certain people that could come to God and who he is. And so when they go up to Mount Sinai, there's a million people at the bottom of the mountain. There's a nation of Israel. There's one million people. And then there's 74 that go, all the way, that go part of the way up. That's all the elders. That's Nadab, Abihu, Moses, Aaron, and the 70 other elders. And then two make it even higher. That's just Moses and Aaron. And then who gets all the way to the top? Moses. Look at what it says in Exodus 24, 1 through 2. The Lord says to Moses, come up to the Lord. You and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, the 70 of the elders of Israel, you are to worship at a distance. You're to worship at a what? Oh, we can, we can, well, I won't move on until we all are on the same page. You are to worship at a what? You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone. So only Moses can go the high, to the, the highest point of the mountain to approach the Lord. The others must not come near, and the people may not come up with them. See, in the Old Testament, to be near to God was a limited access. It was invitation only. But in the New Testament, all are invited because of what Jesus came to do, because of the price that he paid, because of what he did on the cross. See, everyone has the same access, but a lot of us still choose to live at the base of the mountain. We love to just, well, I'll just follow you at a distance. You are as close to God as you choose to be. Jesus came to die on the cross for every obstacle other than your desire to know him. If you're not close to God... It's because you chose, not to, you chose not to draw near to him. If you want to know if you're distant, spend some time gauging your desire. Because if you desire a closer relationship with God, God would say yes. If you started climbing the mountain, God, God would meet you. And you can measure your hunger for something by how much you're willing to, how much you're willing to, to, to pay for it. See, it gets measured by a price tag. See, many of us are like Peter. We just we want to live at the base of the mountain. See, we want the blessings. We just don't want the cost of it. We, we want the blessings of God, and so that's why we kind of follow Jesus at a distance. Maybe if I'm around him a little bit, uh, then I'll maybe I'll kind of receive some of the maybe blessings afterwards. Maybe there's not a cost. Of, maybe if I can just kind of squeeze by, and then we get really good at it, and then we think that proximity in our faith is equal to intimacy with Jesus. Intimacy with Jesus is not on a different level. How much you want to draw near is how much you want to experience it. How much do you want it? God will give you as much as you're wanting to ask for it. And I don't want to talk about it. I'm sure there's moments where they were like, oh, man, I wish that we could get up to that mountaintop. I wish we could have been like Moses. See, now you have that same access. How much do you want it? See, there. A couple months ago, uh, a few of us went to Disney, and uh, 
a little crew in the back going to Disney, and uh, we, we had a moment at the, uh, we saw a big fireworks show, and uh, we were talking to like, oh, should we ride Space Mountain? How many have been to Disney before? Okay, you got Disney lovers in here? Okay, how many have ever rides, uh, rode Space Mountain before? Yeah, okay. Uh, this is one of my all-time favorite rides. So at the end of the day, it's a fireworks show. You're up on your feet all day long. You're just kind of tired, and you're like talking about, well, should we ride this again? Should we not? Uh, like, what do you want to do? And, and, and honestly, I was just like, I'm just so tired. Uh, I don't know what I, honestly, I don't know what I want to do. I'm just so exhausted. And then, you know, you just kind of make like a split minute decision. You're like, well, hey, we're just going to go for it. And so uh, if you know, if you've been to Disney before, if you're waiting in line for 20 minutes, like, dude, that's a steal. Like, you better go ride. I don't care what ride that is. You could be sitting in a teacup going, spin around in circles. You ride whatever you want. If, if you're waiting 20 minutes, you better take every opportunity you can. So Space Mountain, it's one of my favorite rides. And I mean, we had to go. So all of us took off sprinting. All of us were just, we just like took off, literally sprinting to Space Mountain. I mean, we're, I'm like dodging like moms with like their kids in the stroller, you know, and they're giving me like weird looks and I'm like, got a blast, like I'm going to ride Space Mountain, like I don't care, like and they're like, giving me dirty looks and they're all stressed out, they all got dizzy ears, like their baby's crying and I'm like, hey dude, just because you can't go to Space Mountain, you can't get mad at me. So I'm now uh, sprinting to Space Mountain, we get in line. Finally there, now I'm excited. Well, now, okay, if I'm excited, okay, sometimes it's hard to, to contain the excitement. So now we're sitting inside Space Mountain. Everyone's kind of rushing, and now we got a bunch of people on the inside that uh, I saw this woman come up. So I just start yelling. I just start getting excited. Well, the woman's coming, and she's going like this. So I'm like, I start yelling louder. So I'm like, yeah, woo! And she goes, she goes like this. So I'm like, okay, I'll yell even louder. I'm like, woo! And she goes, no, 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 honey, honey, you got to raise your hands. I'm trying to see their seatbelt. Well, people start screaming. People start like losing their minds. They start like yelling in Space Mountain. Everyone's like this Space Mountain 1130 energy. Everyone's like, yeah. Like people like banging on like the <laughs> on the railing. I start banging on my seat. This is the best ride. This is the best experience I had in my life. I was like, man, 1130 Space Mountain energy. You can't top it. Jesus was there. I saw him. <laughs> and Buzz Lightyear. Man, it was like the best. That was like one of my favorite <laughs> moments of the trip. Man, I wanted to experience it. I could have talked about it or I could have experienced it. Sometimes we just like, man, I wonder if we, I there's moments where I'm like, man, I wonder if we didn't do that. Man, I wouldn't, man, it would be, it'd be a story that I wish I could tell rather than an experience that I could engage with. And I think sometimes we, we do this in our faith. Well, I wonder what it'd be like if I actually went. I wonder what it would look like if I actually followed Jesus. I wonder what it would look like if I actually leaned into the calling that he put on my life. Instead of talking about it, I wonder if I could experience it. And maybe for you, it's the mistakes that are just your setbacks. Peter's mistakes have been your mistakes. You underestimated your own weakness. You've been following Jesus at a distance. So you stop pursuing the calling God to put on your life. You stop following Jesus. You've grown apathetic. You don't have a deeper hunger for God's presence like you used to. Maybe you failed. Maybe you've blown it big time. And for Peter, I mean, after this moment happened, Jesus went to die on the cross, and Peter went back to his old ways. Imagine the despair that Peter is in. Imagine the, the, the catastrophe that he's feeling. It says in John 21, 1 through 3, now this is the story of the miraculous catch. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from, from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. <laughs> you ever feel like you just suck at your job? <laughs> Like, 
you're a fisherman. <laughs> you, you threw out a, a big freaking net in the lake. You're telling me you can't catch one fish. <laughs> no one relates to that? All right. No one else feels like that's not their job? Peter went back to his old life. When all was said and done, he felt like he failed. I mean, he denied Jesus. He did the thing he never said he would do. He went back to being a fisherman. Failure has a way of making you go back to the life that you used to live. Failure calls you back to the position that gave you no purpose and that gave you no meaning. And maybe for Peter, he would just live the rest of his life with regret. Oh, wishing I would have done things differently. Oh, gosh, I would go back and I would change that. I wish I followed Jesus not at a distance. I wish I drew nearer to him. I wish that I, I wish I could experience God more for who he was. Oh, I wish that I, I, would have, I would have been there with Jesus. And now he would look at those days and I would have done it differently. He might look at Jesus as like, well, those are the highlights and now there's no hope. There's no future and there's no hope. You ever felt that in a journey? You felt like, man, I just, I failed. I've blown it. That you feel like, man, there's no hope. There's no future. I can't turn back now. And it keeps on going. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't, did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Does this story sound familiar to you? Same story. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, jumped into the water, and the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. When Peter failed, he thought that he was done for. And Jesus, his first interaction with Jesus was, hey, come have a breakfast. What a model of grace. It's the same place where he was called in the first place. It's the same place where Jesus reinstates him. The same moment where he feels like he failed is the same moment that God offers the same invitation. Because just because you failed, just because along the journey that, that, that you have had some setbacks, that it doesn't take away from the offer still stands of Jesus saying to you, hey, come follow me. Just because you've messed up along the way doesn't mean you need to give up on Jesus. Jesus still loves you. Jesus has still called you. He knew that it was going to happen. He knew it was going to happen to Peter. Jesus did the same miracle because he offers the same invitation. Come and follow me. And if you've been around C12 for a while, you probably heard a little bit of, of my story and, and leaving the residency and coming back. And I know I've shared bits and pieces here and there. And I thought tonight I just shared the whole thing. <laughs> and uh, a couple years ago, before I came out here, I was at a, uh, another church, like I said, in South Dakota. And... I was doing a student ministry, and I didn't know what my calling was. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I, I got there as an intern, and, and, uh, and about two, three months in, there was another uh, pastor who ended up resigning. And so now as an intern, I'm overseeing all of our high school students at our one location. I did such a great job leading. It went from 80 students to 43. And um, 
<laughs> it was a disaster. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how this works. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I got some relationships with some kids, and I went to a camp, and like, that's about it. I got nothing else. And I, I just saw the hand of God move in such powerful ways. I mean, students coming to Jesus, people being baptized. I mean, that ministry growing, and 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 kind of towards the end of my time there. Uh, I had a moment where I was like, I don't know what this, what the future of this is. I don't know my own calling. It was a topic of struggle just for so, so long that I didn't know, God, what did you put on my life? What's my purpose? What do you have for me? I prayed three different times during a vision series that they had, and uh, God never gave me an answer. And so I sat down with a mentor who's from my older university. He came uh, to talk to me about it, and he said, well, what's, what's ahead of you? And I said, that's a great question. Don't you love when people ask you that? Like, hey, what, hey what, do you, uh, uh, what do you want to do after college? And you're like, oh, gosh, like, you want to talk about something? else? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I'm eating for breakfast tomorrow. Like, I don't even eat breakfast. And uh, I had a moment where uh, I was sitting down with him and he said, hey, if you don't feel called here, you need to leave. Just go. I don't care where you go, but you need to, you need to get out of here. And so I had a moment with, um, uh, you know, just catching up with one of my best friends here who was at the time at the residency program. And he ended up calling me and and he was like, man, what's your next step? What are you doing? I was like, you're the 4,000th person that's asked me that question. I still don't know. And he said, what about the residency? And I said, well, I've already done something like that. You know, I don't, I don't feel called to student ministry. That's not my thing. I, I, I really can't do worship. The kids got boogers. I don't want to do that. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what God, he said, bro, just come check it out. Came to the residency, loved it so much. Still didn't know what God had for me. Said yes to a position. I don't know what it turned into. Go back to South Dakota, have a conversation with the pastor mentor. My we're just debriefing the end of my time there. And uh, I said a statement at the time. I didn't know the weight of it. And I just told him, I said, yeah, I just chose not to invest in middle school students because I knew I wasn't going to stay here long. And I only wanted to pour into our high school seniors because I knew uh, that they're leaving and so am I. And he cut me off like right instantly. And he said, it's more about you than it is about God. I was like, whoa. Guns a blazing. I was actually with a friend of mine, and he didn't know him. He was actually a new intern, just got here. He was like eating a burger, and he like as soon as he said that, his eyes got really wide and like set it down. It was like, oh shoot, <laughs> he said you suck. <laughs> and he said it again. He said it's more about you than it is about God. He said you chose not to invest in middle school students because it was more about you than it was about them. And you chose not to invest in them. God's called you to be here. Whether it's a day, it's a year, it's a month. It doesn't matter how long it is. You plant seeds in people. You serve and you wash feet. It's your job as a pastor to impact the next generation. Therefore, you didn't give me your very best. That conversation was marking. And then a couple days later, I was hanging out with some friends and uh, they just moved into an apartment and we're having a little movie night and I felt the Holy Spirit tuck on my heart to go pray. So I went to the only place that I knew how and to be isolated in the apartment, went in the bathroom, got on my knees and prayed. I stood up and I looked in the mirror and God said, two years, give me your very best for two years. Came into the residency program and you guys know, obviously didn't stay the whole two years. Left at a year and four months, still struggling with calling, still struggling with like, what, God, what did you put on my life? What am I supposed to do? You get to a spot where you get caught up in positions rather than just a posture to serve. You get caught up in having more influence than you do having a character that just runs deeper. That you want more of what God has uh, for you to do rather than who God can just make you to be. And I started chasing position after position. I wanted like these titles, like, and, and so I'm asking people, and I have all these passions. They're all they're all centered around ministry. They're all just not about Him. 
and I ended up you know, leaving the residency and I wanted to go uh, to use medical missions in war-torn areas and, and about three months in, I knew that I failed. I blew it. This was not the right thing. I couldn't admit it yet. I was still prideful about what I thought was right. I ended up having a conversation with the residency director uh, about, you know, hey, this is just not where I feel like I should be. This is not where I feel like I should be at. And we had a conversation. He talked about winter seasons. And then you guys know in 2020, uh, COVID hit. <laughs> and over COVID, I just got to sit and be in the presence of God and like learn what it means to rest. I mean, I, I went through uh, uh, episodes of, of PTSD and derealization disorder. I, I mean, it was a horrible experience. And I remember I still have this note that I went back to, it's actually a, a note from a previous leader here at C12. And I was taking time. Sometimes I just go back and when you feel like you're at a low point, you just gotta remember what other people see in you versus what you see in yourself. And I just sat uh, on my bed late at night and I was just reading this. And this is what drew me back into like, I wanna be a part of ministry again. And they went on to say, I pray you never question the impact you've had on people because the Lord speaks through you in a unique way. And I hope you know the words he spoke through you changed my life. And I know I'm not, and will not be the only one who feels that way. And I read that and I was like, I gotta get back into ministry again. I gotta like, this is, this is it. This is the calling. And I ended up calling the residency director and I was like, dude, like I failed. Like this was the wrong decision. I left and he very kindly was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and he said, I, I didn't ask you about the residency the first time we met. I didn't ask about ministry because I didn't want to plant those seeds. I wanted God to get you there on your own. And then he said, man, what about the residency again? And I was like, well, that'd be kind of awkward, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, I did this for a year and four months. What, come back and, hey, how y'all doing? <laughs> and he said, man, if you're in for it, I'll fight for you. He said, I can fight for you more if you're in the program versus if you're outside of it. And for the next month and a half, I didn't know if it was gonna work. I didn't know what was gonna unfold. And every single day I went out on a prayer walk, begging and asking, I prayed and fasted like, God, if you would ever, if you would ever have favor on my life again in ministry, I prayed that I could, you could just open that door just slightly every single day, just went out and walked and prayed. And God said, I'll work things out. And maybe you're in a season where you feel like you're waiting for an answer. What you do in waiting matters. Waiting seasons are never wasted seasons unless you waste them. In waiting seasons, you can, you can pray. You can ask for the things that you want to ask for. You can beg and lean into God and what he has for you. You can, you can cling to those promises of what he said. When I go back to that, I look at, hey, God said he'll work things out, so I trust that. Every day I'm praying that again and again and again and again, and Shane called me. A month and a half later on my birthday, he said, hey, man, first of all, one, happy birthday. <laughs> Two, we want you back in the residency program. And he said, I want you to do a year. I want you to do uh, in spiritual formation. And I never thought the residency would ever be possible again. I never thought even stepping back into this church, like to do a, a position would ever be possible again. When I left, they said, hey, you're not coming back. So I just shut that door. 
God just has a, a weird way of trying to bring you back in. And this is literally right before I was about to take a shower. So I'm obviously going back in the bathroom and God whispered again, two years, give me your very best for two years. And I lost it. Well, just because you mess up in your journey, just because you feel like you failed, just because you feel like you've blown it, just because you feel like, man, I, I, haven't, I haven't been consistent, doesn't mean that your decision to follow Jesus isn't legitimate. And maybe you're in a spot where you're like, I blew it. I failed. I messed up. I need to, God, I need you again. Maybe for you, like, you just, you've drawn farther from God over these last several months more than you ever had. Maybe tonight you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe, maybe God's put a calling on your life and, and you've pushed him away in that. Maybe tonight you just need to rededicate your life to Christ. The invitation still stands. God does the same miracles because he offers the same invitation. God still calls you. He still appoints you. God still loves you. God is still the same today as he was yesterday. God's grace can cover the same sin that you feel like you're committing. God is the Lord over your life. And although you feel like you've blown it, God says, hey, come follow me. Let's have breakfast on the beach. I love you. I've called you. I've appointed you. The same thing when he says, Peter, hey, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. This is why I'm saying I knew that you would fail. I knew that you would deny me. I knew that you would mess up. But this is the truth about what I see in you. This is what I see as possible. And maybe God's just speaking to you. Hey, you know what? I've blown it. I failed. But God is saying to you, hey, no, 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 no. This is a calling I put on your life. This is a thing that I have for you. This is the, this is the thing that you can step into. This is, this is the area where you can grow in. This is, I, I want to pour out my presence upon you if you ask for it if you meet me i'll meet you if you draw near to me i'll draw near to you the invitation still stands come and follow me we're gonna have a moment where you just get to respond to it what is god asking of you maybe god's asking hey give your life to jesus <laughs> the holy spirit's tugging on your heart and you want to step into a relationship with christ maybe hey you just need to rededicate your life to Christ. Maybe you, you've, been, you've drawn so far from God, you pushed him away. You just said no. Maybe this is the first time you've been to church in a long time. Maybe you've stopped following Jesus and God just wants to do yes again. Hey, come follow me. Maybe you, you've left a calling that God has put on your life out of fear and out of worry and out of doubt. And God is saying, hey, step back into that again. Come and follow me. I'll show you the life that I can give you. Maybe you just need to give your yes again. So as you came into the room, you had a, a bunch of response cards and, and on that, there's a place to put your name, there's a place to put some of your info, there's a place where you can write something on it. Maybe tonight is a night where, hey, you wanna step into a relationship with God. I've never had a relationship with Jesus. I, I know that Jesus came to die on the cross for my sin and I want to enter a relationship with that. I'm gonna have a moment where I'm gonna pray and you can, you can have a moment where you can receive Christ. Maybe tonight is a night where, hey, I just need to rededicate my life to Christ. It's been so far, it's been so long. I haven't taken the steps that I know that I've needed to and I wanna step back into a relationship with God again. Maybe you just need to give God your yes again. All of you are called. All of you are gifted. If you're a follower of Jesus in this room, God has given you his spiritual gifts. God has called you. He has anointed you. He has appointed you. There is a calling that is on your life, and God wants you to step back into that again. Maybe for you, it's something personal. 
hey, I don't relate to that. I'm already a follower of Jesus. Yeah, I'm already, I'm already dedicated to following him. Well, maybe for you, it's, I just need to give that back to Jesus again. I need to surrender. And you can have a moment where you can write that on the card. Have a moment where you can write, hey, what is that thing I need to surrender? What is that sin? I just, God, I need to give that back to you. What is the prayer that you're asking? Maybe you can write, what is God asking of you? And take a moment, write that on the card. We'll have baskets up here in the front of the stage. Whatever your step is, you can come, drop in the basket. We'll follow up with you. We'll pray with you. We'll pray over these requests. We'll pray over things that you're just wanting to say, hey, God, here's my yes again. God, here, God, here's the thing that's been holding me back. And God, I just want to lean into that. God, here, I, I surrender. And God, you're in control. I give you that sin. I give you that thing that maybe I want to keep close. I've been following you at a distance, and I want to draw nearer to you. So you can have a moment before we jump in this worship song. You can reflect. What is God asking of you? What is the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart? So God, we just pray over, God, tonight we pray over this room. God, I just pray over, God, where people are at, Father, in their own journey. God, I pray, God, maybe, God, it's just been, it's been so long since they've been involved in a church setting before. Maybe they've just been following you at a distance. Maybe they feel like they just keep pushing you away. Maybe there's a calling that you put on people in this room to be called to be pastors, called to be leaders, called to be doctors, called to be teachers, called uh, God to, to go in the work of God. You have called people to do certain things. And God, maybe there's people here tonight that, would, that have just ignored you, that have ignored the calling that you put on your life. And God, I pray that you would revisit that again as they visit you. God, I pray that they'd be reminded, Father, of how much you love them. There's no failure that's too big that your grace can't cover. There's no mess up, there's no screw up that we could do that God could ever pull us away from the love of Christ. God, your word says there's no height, nor depth, nor angel, nor demon. There's nothing that could separate us from the love of Christ. And so, God, I pray that you would even awaken us in this room. Awaken us to your presence. What's that step that you're asking us to take? What's that one thing? Maybe it is to give my life to Jesus. Maybe it is to rededicate my life. Maybe it is to say yes to that calling. It's to lean back in. It's to not follow you at a distance. But I want more of you. You, Jesus, died on the cross for our sin. Those in the room who've never been in a relationship with Jesus died for you. He loves you. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we get to have eternal life with Him. And so, God, I pray that you would meet people. You would visit people. Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. Take some time to reflect on what may be your Achilles heel, the thing that keeps coming back that Jesus is offering you a way out of. C12 small groups are starting back, and this is a great way to get involved with community and to grow deeper in your faith. Just click the link in the description below so that you can learn how to get signed up. Just click the link and search C12 in the search bar, and then you'll see all the different small groups. Definitely want you to get plugged in. They do start this week, so you want to sign up immediately and get plugged in. If you would like to learn more about College at 12 Stone, give us a follow on Instagram at C12 Stone. Hope to have you join us next week.